Hello beautiful, welcome to the Mama Mindful Podcast, a space to find inspiration, learn, be seen and heard, and most importantly, to remember that we are not alone in this journey. Hello my loves, welcome back to the Mama Mindful Podcast. I am so grateful to you for making this space to tune back in once again, and if you're new here, welcome to the space filled with inspiring, empowering, and educational conversations for all mamas, no matter what stage of the motherhood journey you are in. In today's episode, we have the pleasure of sitting down with Liliana Montoya. She's an infant mental health specialist, baby massage teacher, and parent and prenatal connection coach. In this interview, we dive deep into infant mental health, what that really means, what it looks like, we to navigate mental health challenges within our children, how to prevent those challenges, and so much more. This is a beautiful conversation with so many reminders that I feel us mothers should hear at least once a day. Enjoy. Liliana, welcome to the Mama Mindful Podcast. I am so excited to have you here, so excited to dive into your expertise and learn more about infant mental health, which is something that I think I'm going to benefit a lot from after this conversation, <laughs> just learning about, you know, having a child myself and barely feeling like I can fully understand her and what's really going on within her. Um, I feel like this is going to be really helpful for me and a lot of mamas tuning in today. Hooray! I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Course. So to begin, I would just love to learn more about you. Okay. Uh, so a little about me. Well, I'm 39. I was born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm still here. So I guess I wow. must really like the weather. Um, we have a dry heat, so it's very different than Florida. Mm. <laughs> you guys have, I lived in Florida for a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I worked at Disney World for a bit, wow. and I have to say, I thought I was gonna die <laughs> because it was oh just the gosh. humidity. <laughs> I was not used to it. It was great for the skin, but I was definitely happy to come back to my dry desert. <laughs> that sounds yeah, that sounds amazing. It's definitely yeah, it's been so, so crazy here. Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it does. It gets like in you know 110 115 wow. it gets really hot but um yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way because we don't have hurricanes <laughs> or anything like that um so yeah just lived here my 39 years um let's see what else can you know about me I'm double Aquarius Pisces moon and mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm a super creative person um, I love being with my friends and I got married last year during pandemic. So oh, wow. I did do a zoom wedding. Um, it wasn't ideal, but mm -hmm. you know, I don't think anything last year was ideal. And so yeah. we just decided to go for it. We kept it very small with, you know, just immediate family, which can be hard. I come from a large Mexican family and it's like you invite like your fourth cousin that you've never met before and yeah. you know the whole thing and so that was kind of difficult on my side but you know you you've got to do what you got to do. Um mm. so I'm happy we did do it that way. It was still very special and it was very intimate. Um and I'm a dog mommy. So I have a, a dog named Mowgli. He's four years old. I love him. So he's our, our fur baby. Um, 
And yeah, so that's a little about me. And, you know, as far as professional stuff, like the whole resume, which I'm sure you'd love to hear about too. Yes. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I got my bachelor's at Arizona State University in anthropology. And I worked as an archaeologist for quite a few years, probably about three years. And then I made a big switch. Um, I was doing a lot of... um, volunteering in the LGBTQ community. And I was a very big activist as a straight ally. And I just, I'm super passionate about it. And so it's like, what can I do to help more? It's like, I will become a therapist. So I got my master's in professional counseling. Um, and so I first started working in the compute community behavioral health, um, sector and I worked with primarily older children at that time and so I worked um, with them and then I stayed in that realm for probably about six years Um, and then I worked in a kindergarten class and then I finally I went into private practice and started my baby wellness business Um, just doing all infant mental health ages zero to five. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I'm so excited to dive into all of it. And the first question I have is what inspired you to work with children ultimately? Yeah. So that's a little bit of a a funny story. So as I said, (laughs) I, I was very much focused on LGBTQ. Um, and I wanted to work with teens and adolescents really that was my jam Um, when I was at my internship I worked with adults and I worked at um, an outpatient uh, substance abuse clinic and we held groups and everybody there was struggling with addiction and they also had HIV and so that's where I started and um, then when I got my first job in community behavioral health you know, I, I was like, all right, I, I can work with kids now. I'm thinking 13 plus maybe ages. Well, I had a supervisor that gave me like an eight-year-old. And I was like, what do you, an eight-year-old, what am I going to do? And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll help, you know, work through it with you. I was like, okay. And couple weeks later I got a six-year-old and they just kept you know then I had a two-year-old and you know when we're in community behavioral health we're dealing with families that have experienced extreme trauma you know a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. a big event maybe DCS is involved um maybe they're in the foster care system so really big things and so Mm -hmm. as you know, this is my first job in the community. And I was not used to working with very young children. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Well, she became my mentor along the way. And she still is a very dear mentor of mine. Um, But she taught me everything I know as far as like play, play therapy methods, um, you know, observation and you know, introduced me to infant mental health Mm. and I fell in love with it. 
And I was like, okay, you got me. I'm baby crazy. This is what I'm all about. Um, so yeah. I continued on that path and got all my certifications and whatnot. But what really made sense to me about it and what clicked was, you know, when I was working with those grownups in their substance abuse programs and doing individual counseling with them, it would always go back to something that happened when they were very young. Mm-hmm. And so then we would have to work through some of that stuff. And then when I worked with teenagers, the same thing would happen. Something maybe happened when they were very young. So then we, we would have to back up and go to that and maybe work through some of that before we can move forward. Mm-hmm. And so in the mental health, I was like, you know, I'm really starting from the beginning here. Yeah, that's so powerful. You know, and I'm like, Mm. if I can work through this stuff in the beginning with them and their caregivers, then possibly they might not come to my office when they're 25 or 45. Mm. You know, it might kind of really help in the beginning, prevent something in the long run, or at least, um, help with some of those struggles in the very beginning so that maybe it's not as big later on, you know? So that was kind of how it came together and why I became so passionate about working with the little ones in the beginning. Mm, I love that. That's, that holds so much purpose. And I feel like that in itself can, is creating, you know, such a big change just by, like you said, starting at the root and preventing it to kind of Mm -hmm. snowball into their later years. That's so amazing. So I would love to know, like, what exactly you do? What does it look like? Because I know, for me, when like, we first uh, got in touch and connected, I was just like, what exactly is infant mental health, you know, because we don't even think about that. We're just like, oh, they're children, you know, like, they're so innocent, but really, they're kind of collecting things throughout the day, throughout their life, throughout their early years. And I know when we first talked, you said that I think it was from like the beginning to three years old is like the most important part. So I'll let you dive into it because you're the expert here, but I just really want to understand like what exactly it is. Yeah. Yeah. So like a a definition of infant mental health is that it focuses on the social emotional development of a child ages zero to three, sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll even say ages zero to five. Mm. So the social emotional development and, you know, I'll note that one of the biggest reasons is because that's when all the brain development is happening. Mm -hmm. So the first three years, 80% of your brain is developed. And then in the first five years, it's 90% of your brain is developed. So you've got like all of these crazy connections being created at that time. I mean, you're probably always hearing like babies are like sponges. I mean, they really are. They are. are. They are. I'm living it. (laughs) Yeah. They're taking in so much. I mean, so so that's why they're taking in so much is because, Mm -hmm. you know, all that brain development. And so when that development is happening, it's with so many things, but one of the primary things is how they're going to have relationships. So their caregivers, their primary caregivers are laying down this blueprint in their brain. It's like a little map 
And so when you are creating all of those connections in those first five years, that's their blueprint of how they're going to carry relationships for the rest of their lives. So when they go to kindergarten and they have a teacher or start making friends, you were that blueprint. When you have, you know, your friendships in high school or, you know, you meet your first love partner, that blueprint is going to come into play. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's... <laughs> So that we focus a lot. It's the social emotional development that we really focus on. Um, But, you know, sometimes we might do some physical developmental screenings too, you know, like to see if a child's meeting their milestones or they might need a little extra help with speech or with uh, physical therapy or OT or something like that too. Wow. So powerful. What do you think? what do you think is, or are the main things that a caregiver can do to create a positive blueprint and like establish a good foundation for their, their relationships in their life? Oh, I love this question because Mm -hmm. it's so simple. You know, I mean, (laughs) we get all this, all this stuff, right. When you're going to have a baby, (laughs) you get like, the baby shower and you get all these toys and like stuffed animals and things for the crib, the mobile and all these things. Right. Mm. And there, those are a lot of fun. Um, but I would say that the most important thing is just you Mm. (laughs) just being present Mm -hmm. intentionally with them, putting down the phone, you know, um, not answering those text messages or those dings on your computer, you know, just simply being with them, looking at them, getting those wonderful eye gazes with your baby. I mean, eye contact is super wonderful for Mm -hmm. attachment and strengthening that attachment, creating that blueprint, um, just talking to them, um, you know, Sometimes people say that they feel funny talking to their baby because <laughs> baby can't talk back, right? Yeah. But they're taking in all of that language. So, mm-hmm. you know, if your baby is um, sitting in a high chair while you're cooking dinner, describe what you're cooking. Like, you know, mommy is cutting these red bell peppers and they are going to taste so crunchy when we eat them. And, you know, like narrating a story because they're taking in all of that language, you know? And so, um, you, you know, that's really important and just being responsive, you know, um, being responsive to them and to their needs. And sometimes we don't always know what they want because they can't talk, but just as long as you're trying, you know, they, mm-hmm. they know, they know that you're there. So holding them, trying to bounce them and calm them versus just leaving them there and mm-hmm. having them cry it out. There's yeah. a difference. And so if you comfort them, you know, that's doing something, even if they're still crying, that is so important. So being responsive. um, So I guess I can just say like, you know, the main things are being an emotionally available caregiver, 
-hmm. and being consistent with them is super important. Mm -hmm. What exactly does being an emotional available caregiver look like? Can you give us some examples for them, those who might listen and be like, yeah, know, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I never received that. So what is, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. Um, it looks like being able to respond to your child and being able to hold space for them, mm. being on their level. And so one of the key things to that, because that can be really hard, you know, um, baby years, you don't know what they want because they can't talk toddler years they're having a tantrum because the wind started blowing you know it's like you can't change that but what you can do is you can take a deep breath and you can be there for them mm. you can let them know I know that's really scary mommy's here for you so you're being emotionally available by being able to hold that space for them um, which can be really hard after like the fifth tantrum of the day before 9am. I mean, that can be really hard. Um, so just being able to hold that space for them and keep them safe. Um, but very key to that is making sure that parents are getting, um, their own self-care time. You know, like if you have a few moments in the morning to drink your coffee without anyone bothering you, or if you're able to go out one night with your friends while someone takes care of the baby, you're probably going to feel like you have a lot more to give or you're able to handle those tantrums a lot better than if you've had a crazy day with all these complications at work and then you have to go deal with a tantrum. Mm -hmm. You might feel a little on edge, right? Yes. <laughs> or if you're exhausted, yeah. you know, yeah. um, from staying up all night. And so, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah and I love that you say that because I feel like, you know, mindset is such a big thing and you can definitely change your perspective and change like the environment that you're in through shifting your mindset and perspective but like you said sometimes when you're just more tired and you're exhausted you've had a long day sometimes it's a little bit harder to kind of shift that mindset and find like just find the positive positivity in the moment that you're in. But if you can make that space to take care of yourself, it's going to be a lot easier to shift the mindset. Cause I feel like a lot of like being a parent is that it's just kind of finding the beauty, coming present, reminding yourself, they don't know better. They don't mm -hmm. understand their emotions. They don't really understand what's going on. So like, if you, you know, if you're not well rested, if you're not recharged and your cup isn't full, it's a lot harder to come to those realizations or remind yourself of those little things. So I love that you bring that up because it's, it's so important. And I want to kind of let you take it away on this, but can we just talk about how important it is for parents to really put their own mental health first so that their own children's mental health is also thriving? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, 
one of the biggest components in infant mm -hmm. mental health. Um, you know, because your mental health is your baby's mental health. Mm, I love that. If you're not doing well, they are not doing well because they need you to mm -hmm. be able to hold space for them, you know? And there's a reason that in this work, when I do work with a family, you know, it's not... <laughs> It's not me in an office with a little baby couch and sitting down the child and like having some psychotherapy sessions. No, it doesn't look like that. <laughs> it's a lot of times, um, especially in the beginning, depending what it is, but um, working with just the parents, mm. you know, and mm. talking them through stuff and getting some of their feelings out and have them be seen and have them be heard. And they might have, um, you know, some things in their past that are causing them to be triggered by that tantrum by their child. And so getting behind some of that, you know, is very helpful. And so just me being able to hold them so that they can hold their baby. It's wow. very, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very important. You know, I know we've heard a lot selfish, you know, self-care is not selfish. Yeah. I mean, there is truth to that. And I know when your parents, it's like, I don't want to leave my baby with the sitter because I want to go out and have fun or that is not being selfish. That is crucial to your mental health and your well-being. You know, whether it's going out with friends or going to the gym, you know, we're, we're mm -hmm. talking mind, body, soul, mm -hmm. you need to make sure that you are taking care of all of that so that your baby can then benefit because yep, your, your mental health is their mental health. I love that. I, hmm, so powerful. I know mm -hmm. that for me, like you said, it's, it's hard to sometimes, cause I work like four hours away from the house. I go to the office with my partner and then I come home and I just don't want to do anything for myself because I feel like I've been gone, gone for so long already. So then I'm mm -hmm. like, if I go to a yoga class, it's an hour and a half that I'm already gone away from her even more. And it's just like so hard to make that space. But when I do, it's just such a deeper connection. Like I can't even describe the depth of yes. how we connect and how I'm able to be so present with her and just like kind of just be with her, you know, whereas mm -hmm. like if I don't make that space, it the connection's still there, but I feel like it's just not the same. It's not as strong. So yeah, it's not as deep because you're just, yeah. you know, you're you're not going to yoga class and sure you're you're spending time with her, mm -hmm. but are you really, you know, it's like yeah. you're just you're there as a yes. physical person. But if mm. you take that time to yourself, you're opening that space a little bit. So when you come back, you're really giving her that quality time, that presence. Yeah. It's yeah, a lot it, different. Totally. And it probably seems so backward to most people because you're like, oh, like, you know, you're, you're elite, you're still there, but you're not really, let me, let me, let me get my thoughts together. So it's like, you're going away. 
and you're coming back and maybe in those 20 minutes that you are together, you're giving them more of you than you would be in those two hours being together because you weren't yes. fully, fully embodied, fully there. So I, I love that. I was actually looking into that a while back because my partner was like, you just spent too much time with her and like, you just need to let her kind of be and like, you know, just be a little bit more independent. She's maybe like seven months old. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm looking into this. I'm like, am I really spending too much time with her? And I came across an article that pretty much said that it's like, it's not about how much time you spend with them, but the quality of the time that you spend with them. So yes, the yeah. quality of the time is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I would love to know what the most common challenges that parents what, mo- what are the most common challenges that parents come to you with? Yeah, so I think that, you know, I've been experiencing a lot of calls about tantrums. You can't, can't really get away from those. Um, and anxiety, mm. um, you know, in some of like the four and five-year-olds. Um, and, you know, and so that's, that's usually when I'll get a call when it's like, is this normal to have my child hitting me and kicking me and, mm. you know, and it's going on for a long time, right? It's mm. not just like, I got angry and I kicked my mommy. It's like, it's am- amplified, I'll say. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, that's usually what you know, what they call me with, or maybe struggles in daycare and preschool Mm. is another big one. Um, you know, they're biting other kids or hitting other kids and, you know, the schools don't like that. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh no, don't (laughs) kick them out. I'm getting help. I'm calling someone, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's usually what they'll call me with. And then, you know, we'll kind of like start working from there. Wow. Are there, like, do you see similarities with the underlying reasons for these kind of behaviors or is it just pretty much like case by, on a case by case basis? Um, I mean, it's all a case by case basis, mm-hmm. but I can say that the way I start is usually very similar mm-hmm. with all of them. And that's starting with connection. Mm-hmm. So I might work with the child and parent together. You know, like I said, I, I work a lot with the parents, but then when it's time to work with them together, we're going to play together, you know, mm-hmm. and we might be setting some time for them and their caregiver. I might give the caregiver some skills that they can use while they're playing or kind of coach them in just like letting go Mm -hmm. and not like controlling the play and let it be very child led and, you know, and free. Sometimes that can be really hard for parents. Um, but really just like connection and relationship strengthening that, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I always talk to the parents about, you know, my client isn't you, And my client isn't the kiddo, but my client is the relationship. Mm -hmm. And once I strengthen that relationship between you, you guys, then other things will fall into place, 
you know, you might see decreased tantrums. You might see, you know, decrease in intensity of them, you know, because that's one of the things too is if you have a child that's always um, in their hot zone, in their brain where they're always up here, Mm -hmm. um, they're not able to take in any information. And Mm -hmm. so I can't start with like, oh, let's teach this kid some coping skills. You know, instead of hitting, we can stomp on the ground or ask for a hug. They're, They're not taking in that info because they're not calm, you know, in their nice cool side of the brain. Right. And so we need to work on that lower part of the brain and get them calm and regulated. So with their safe person, with their caregiver, doing that relationship work and then we can go ahead and like move forward but it it always starts with relationship and connection first Mm, that's so cool I I just love the perspective because you know now having my own child I've obviously opened my eyes to a whole other side of parenting than what I grew up with I'm Colombian so I was like born and raised in Colombia and Mm -hmm. My mom's a great mother, but, uh-huh. you know, there was definitely like a zero tolerance policy for like crying, throwing fits, yes. anything like that. So I know how that affected me as an adult. And now mm-hmm. I'm like doing everything and anything that I can to educate myself so that I can give my daughter a complete different upbringing and teach her that it's okay to feel like not even teach her, but just show her through like like you've said before, holding space for her and allowing her to just like process her emotions and just, you know, being there for her. That's mm-hmm. all I can do. So it's so cool to just like hear these different ways of looking at a tantrum and saying, what's really here? And not just being like, oh, that kid's such a brat, you know, which mm-hmm. I feel like is kind of everyone's first, not everyone. If now things are evolving and people are starting to look at it a little bit different, but so cool just to to see how it's evolving and just the work that you're doing with with parents and helping them kind of treat things from their roots so that they can really just like nurture that that relationship with their child so that then they they can grow up to be amazing adults right Mm -hmm. yeah so they have those connections you know and you said something really key um you know, when you're talking about how you're brought up, because, you know, all of us, we, we were all brought up different and we all have, um, our things. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people our age were probably brought up with like, you know, you're, you're seen, not heard, or, Mm -hmm. you know, like I was brought up with, you know, like you're not throwing a fit in this Mm -hmm. grocery store. Like you're not embarrassing me. You, you know, you get the look, the look, you know, or something like it's, you know, it's yeah. And so, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, we're brought up that way. And I think Mm -hmm. you being very mindful of that and realizing that it's like, you know, I have a good mom and (laughs) I might want to parent a little differently. So you're already steps ahead on that by realizing that like, huh, maybe, maybe I should maybe connect with my child first 
or try to understand what's going on behind this tantrum or be emotionally available to them to help them get through these really strong feelings. You know, you're already Mm. starting to see that you want something different. And so that tells me you're already starting to do the work, Mm -hmm. the work to realize what you were patterned because that's your pattern. Yes. You know, and it's like, okay, so maybe I'm responding this way to my baby because when I was two years old and I was being scolded for crying, then I'm having this reaction. And so when they're crying, my body is like automatically responding to that, that this is bad. This is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. This is not good. Just be quiet versus let me hold space and get down on their level. Right. Mm -hmm. It's two different things, you know, but you're already starting to notice that you know, and so you're, you're realizing, okay, I'm gonna do some of this mindful work so that when she gets to that age, I'm not responding the same way as my caregiver did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's huge. And it's so hard. I mean, you know, with any type of like reconditioning or repattering, repatterning work patterning that's not really a word but (laughs) (laughs) it is now but like any type of work that we do to shift our patterns is so difficult because it's like an automatic response you know so you have to you really like we talked in the beginning it's like you really have to be fully charged and fully present and rested to be able to respond instead of react with what mm-hmm. you were conditioned with, you know? So it's, yes. it's not easy. Like it's, it's been such a challenge, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it is because yeah. we're, pro- we are programmed. programmed. It goes yeah. back to that blueprint, mm-hmm. you know? So it's yes. like, you might catch yeah. yourself like yelling at your spouse or something like that. And you're like, Oh my God, I sound like my mother. Yep. <laughs> I mean, it's so true yes. because you know, that's just how our brain is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our brain holds into mm-hmm. those connections mm-hmm. and those memories and it does, it comes out of us, you know? Yeah. So it, it takes a lot of work to be mindful about mm-hmm. it and how to respond differently um, and do things differently. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the cool thing about our brain is that we can also like change it and rewire it mm-hmm. and create new pathways in order to respond differently or think differently or see things differently. So that's really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely. That's what makes me so excited about this work is because, you know, um, I want parents to feel empowered to make those changes because they can really change the world Mm -hmm. through their children. Yes. You know, so if you're noticing these things about yourself and that you're going to have a different approach with your child and give them the blueprint to have strong relationships, then they're going to carry that on. And then if they have children, then they'll respond that way with their children and so forth and so forth. So parents Mm -hmm. really have so much power to create wonderful change in this world. (laughs) It's really amazing. It really is. And you always hear like 
children are the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah, like, yeah. It didn't really click for me until I had my own child and I saw the opportunity to just like create a whole different life for her so that she can really thrive and just like be herself and not feel any shame for being too loud or being too emotional quote unquote like what even you know what I mean it's like Mm -hmm. so cool and we have the ability to just like let our children be wild you know like not literally but just like give them a little bit more freedom to fully explore and express themselves yeah absolutely it's really cool (laughs) yeah it really is um since we're on this topic I wanted to ask if you have any like in the moment tools or daily practices that you recommended parents to kind of help them you know go through their own stuff process their own things so that they can create this new way of living for their children mm-hmm. yeah um well I think we talked about one already self-care mm-hmm. you know and I know that can get really um tough especially if you have multiple children you know but um it doesn't have to be big, you know, Mm -hmm. it could be five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the afternoon, five minutes at night. That's a total of 15 minutes, you know, um, just taking some time to yourself. Like I said, getting that coffee or whatever it is, something that's going to just make you feel better. Mm -hmm. Um, doing some breathing, put a reminder on your phone or on your watch, like, okay, take, take some mindful breaths and just get that flowing again, that airflow, um, and reset. I mean, that can all, all be super helpful. Um, or if you are partnered with someone, like make sure you plan something to connect with them, whether it be, you know, whatever you guys can do, like once a month, once a week, whatever, whatever's gonna fit for your schedule, but it's important for you to connect with each other too, Mm -hmm. you know, because you get so crazy in the busyness of like, you know, jobs and children and, you know, all of that, you know, making sure you get the groceries and everything that really you, you forget to connect with each other and really stop and say, how are you doing? what was your day like for you, you know, and really be intentional about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so just really connect with each other, make time to do that and make time to connect with yourself, however, that's going to look. So it's, it's a whole lot of connection so that you can connect with your little ones. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the most beautiful part is that it really doesn't have to take so long. And it doesn't have to be such a big part of your day. Like sometimes even when you are with your children, like you can connect with yourself too, you know, like Mm -hmm. it really does just take dropping into the moment fully and just being present. And I feel like that can sometimes just like make me feel so recharged or just like letting go and being in full play with her. And I just feel like I'm more connected with myself. So I think sometimes as parents, like, we can find new ways to find that connection while also being there for children, but also like doing it on your own is super important and healthy as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do some 
baby meditation, you know, Mm -hmm. just when they're falling asleep on your chest, you know, or even if you have older children and you're just taking some relaxing time, just doing some breathing with them, Mm -hmm. they don't need, you don't even have to tell them like, Hey, let's do breath together. Because the thing is they will regulate with you. So if they're just being a snuggle bug and laying on you and you decide like, I'm going to start mindfully breathing, their breath will also just start doing the same thing. You know, that's the beauty of the connection of the breath with your children is that you will co-regulate their heartbeat will start to match yours, you know? So that could be your, your mindful moment, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah doesn't have to be so complicated <laughs> no it, it doesn't it's very simple you can just be with them yeah and that's all they need they just mm-hmm. need you yes exactly so what are some signs that our child might be at risk for mental health challenges well um the first thing I, I look into is I look at the parent. I look Mm -hmm. at the parent's mental health. I look at what's going on in the family. Like, are there a lot of stressors, you know, are there a lot of, um, you know, uh, things like external things going on, like financial stressors or, you know, um, lack of, um, supports for those parents. Like, do they have, you know, a community of some sort, like a mom group or a church or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I look at everything that surrounds the child, um, you know, to see if there are any of those external risk factors. And I also look at the parent and what's going on for them. Are they struggling with depression? Are they struggling with anxiety um, themselves? Because, chances are their child is feeling that, or if they're feeling super anxious or they're struggling with their own depression, how available are they going to be to this little one? You know, um, probably really tough for them to be able to do that. Um, so I, I definitely look at that stuff first and then, um, you know, then that's when we start looking at, okay, like, are these tantrums, you know, happening several, several times a day where they last more than 15 minutes, you know, where they last a really long time? Because, you know, I I think intensity and length also um, plays a key because toddlers are going to have a lot of tantrums, Mm -hmm. but are they like five minutes and then, you know, you're able to calm them down and then they move on with life or are these lasting like 30 minutes and it's like oh my goodness they're not able to calm down that's when it's like okay what what's going on is there you know something going on with them physically um or is there something else going on outside like you know that's when I have to really look at what else is going on wow are there other behaviors that we can kind of like that are red flags aside from tantrums like maybe I don't know. I obviously can't think of anything, but I don't know if there's anything like that that parents can be on the lookout for. Um, 
maybe let's see I get calls like if children might seem too clingy Mm. you know um like yes we want them to uh feel safe with their caregiver and want to be around them um and parent and babies and children do go through the phase where it's like you can't put them down that's normal that's when their attachment is really starting to develop Mm. um but you know if if they're older um you know, and it's looking like I can't leave the room, you know, or if you drop them off at daycare and there's no consoling them, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's normal for them to maybe cry at first Mm -hmm. when you leave and um, they might cry for a few minutes, but then they're able to move on. But if they're going to cry for like, you know, half the day, then that might be kind of a concern. Um, you know, so they might be struggling with some separation anxiety or something like that. Um, you know, I, um, maybe the inability to regulate. So regulate can kind of be a big word. So like to calm, I'll say, you know, like you have a kiddo that is zoom, zoom, zoom all of the time. There is no downtime for them. And maybe they're just overly rough too, like always bumping and crashing into things, um, you know, stuff like that. Um, that might tell me that maybe they they just don't have that ability to calm their body mm-hmm. and that they're seeking external sensory um, impact, you know, on their body in order to calm them or to feel something. Maybe they don't, they don't have that awareness, that spatial awareness, you know? And so that those things might look like, okay, maybe we should get an occupational therapist evaluation, you know, Mm -hmm. because it is, it is normal. Some kids might be considered hyperactive, but they will eventually stop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They will eventually slow down. So if, some kiddos don't though. And that might be kind of a red flag if they're just, they're not stopping. Wow. So interesting. Mm-hmm. What you talked about anxiety within children's at children at very young ages. So what does that mm-hmm. look like in children? It will usually look emotional. So, okay. um, the tantrums, you know, because it. it's okay. like, they, they're not able to tell you, mommy, I'm anxious, Mm -hmm. you know? So it it could be they're crying or it could be, um, they might get aggressive. They might hit or something, um, because they don't know how to express that, you know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're feeling nervous or scared because they don't know if their caregiver is going to come back, you know? So maybe they're having a hard time at daycare and they're acting out, but maybe they're just, anxious because they don't know when their person is going to come back and pick them up. Mm -hmm. That's how come we try to make everything predictable and keep children on a routine because once they learn the routine and learn like mommy always comes right after snack time Mm -hmm. and you're there after snack time and they catch on to that, that's going to help decrease their anxiety you know, but sometimes there's kiddos that there is no, like, that's not helping them. You know, the separation is just 
you know, so much. Um, and again, seeing um, if the parents are super anxious is going to give us mm. a key to, to understand if maybe, hmm, well, maybe they are anxious too, because mm-hmm. their parent is super anxious. Mm, so powerful. Yeah. What is some language that parents can use to help children through like those type, type of emotions and the tantrums and the anxiety and whatever they may be experiencing? Yeah, I would definitely label their emotions for them mm-hmm. because they don't have this language. Um, they don't, they don't know necessarily in the beginning what scared or sad is, you know, we mm-hmm. need to help them develop those those words. Um, so I, I always talk to parents about, well, first and foremost, you need to connect. So just be calm with them when the storm is happening. And then they'll eventually calm down. And then you can talk to them about, you looked like you were really sad when your toy broke. I saw that happen, you know, and kind of start telling them the story of what happened with, you know, describe it to them so that they know that you saw, you're seeing them, Mm. you're being present with them and you're letting them know, like, this is what that is. Like you're, you were feeling sad and you're being, you know, that calm connection for them, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's just, that's something simple. Like if something like that, happens but sometimes it might be something else is going on so you might need to set a boundary with them um you know so it might look like you're really mad right now it's not okay to hit mommy when we are calm we can play with legos or we can play with blocks Mm -hmm. you know so you're you're recognizing the feeling, you're setting a boundary and you're giving them some sort of option. Like, okay, this mm-hmm. isn't going to last forever. This is what we can move on to. And they feel like you're giving them a choice or you're saying yes to something. So it may mm-hmm. not be the ice cream that they wanted, but you're saying we can do this, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So you're shifting. Yeah, that's so helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know we talked about ways that parents can kind of establish that connection and establish that positive, I don't know if you have another word for it, blueprint, mm-hmm. <laughs> a good foundation for their children. Are there other ways that parents can nurture their children's mental health that we haven't touched on so far? Um, let's see. We talked about being present. We talked about intentional play. Well, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things is, um, is massage. Mm -hmm. I was (laughs) waiting for it. (laughs) Yeah. So I teach baby massage and Uh the reason why I fell in love with baby massage is that it is so infant mental health because you are engaging all of their senses, but the most important thing is that you're strengthening that attachment with them, you know? So you're taking Mm -hmm. some time, you're just spending time with them and touch, touch is our first sense, you know? Like even when they're in your belly, 
they they know what you feel like you know Mm -hmm. and so it's so powerful that when you're massaging them they're getting that touch you're releasing that oxytocin that bonding hormone the love hormone and um really connecting with them and so it's a beautiful way to strengthen that blueprint for them because you're making eye contact they're getting your scent you know so they're Mm -hmm. smelling this is my safe person and you know you're touching them in a loving manner so you're letting them know like I respect your body I'm taking care of you and so baby massage is a really easy thing you can do after you give them a bath or change their diaper. And it, it doesn't have to be a full one hour massage. You can mm-hmm. just like, you know, rub their little feet, you know, and do um, this little piggy or something like that. And those are all just beautiful connecting things that you can do. Mm, I I think I tried that a little bit with Ava when she was younger, but I feel like she's, even when she was like super little, she just didn't really stay still. <laughs> like, oh, she always she's moving? <laughs> yeah, she's such an active, well, now toddler. Like, yeah. <laughs> those moments of stillness, I'm just like, oh, soak it all in because they're so rare, but they're so beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I will definitely, yeah. I know that on your Instagram, you definitely have been sharing a lot about baby massage and some songs that you have and all of that. So I'll definitely have to look into it a little bit more so I can try again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, when they're a little more active, so then take their lead and be active with them, you mm, know, um, to yeah. move into a little bit more yoga or do some silly dancing together. Yeah. You know, that's all doing great stuff for like strengthening those muscles that they're going to need when they really start going, you know, yeah. when they really start zooming around, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I think we've touched on everything, but if there's anything else that you feel called to share before we wrap up, I'd love to to, to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just really that connection, just connect with your babies, you know, mm-hmm. and even when it's the hardest day, you're the one that they need. like you know your baby you're the best parent for your baby and you know it's it's okay you just being with them and holding them is what they need even Mm. when it's tough and it's like oh my (laughs) god this is so hard but no you you being there that's the best best thing and um yeah just really doing your own work Mm, I love it. Thank you yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Where can mamas listening connect with you? Uh, they can find me on my Instagram at beloved connections. That's pretty easy. I also have my contact info on there. I have my phone number, my email address. Um, so you'll be able to contact me through there and you can, um, you know, if you're in Arizona, <laughs> you can find me and come to my classes. I'm doing baby massage classes. I'm doing toddler sensory classes right now. And those are fun because I always throw in a splash of of parent coaching and parenting skills as you're playing with your child. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course, if you have like some other big concerns, um, 
you can, you know, I can talk about working with you one-on-one with you and your children. Cool. Thank you so much. I, I love this conversation. I definitely got a lot out of it. So thank you for your time and being here. I'm so grateful. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. Yay. <laughs> Have a beautiful night and we'll be in touch. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. It was fun. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> thank yeah. you. And I love your shirt. I have a, I don't know <laughs> if you can you. see it, but I have a moon necklace. Oh my yeah, God, with the phases. So Ooh. it's like and you're wearing a moon shirt. Yeah, with all the phases too. <laughs> Where'd you get that? <laughs> I'm like, I, um, I had a I had a friend give it to me, so I don't know, but yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So awesome. Well, thanks, right. Valentina. Thank you. We'll be in touch, okay? <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. I personally had never really heard the term infant mental health, and Liliana is the first person that I've ever really heard talk about it. And I'm so grateful and honored to have had her on because she's definitely an expert in her field. And what better person than her to have? share this amazing concept along with all the different perspectives that she had to share. It's truly amazing because I feel like so much of the things that we touched on, we know. We're born with that knowing of basic things like connection and touch, but for some reason we get so busy and we just forget these basic things that our children need to feel safe and feel connected and have that strong foundation so that they can go into the world when they're, you know, at that stage in their life to be strong humans who can have healthy relationships with themselves, with other people, and to just succeed because they have that safety and security within themselves. So I hope that you got as much out of this as I did. I am so grateful to you for making this space to tune in today, and I will catch you on the next episode. Take care.